Jonathan mentioned some things about family camp. We had it up on the slide. But Mark wanted me to mention that it's going to be at Stony Creek Campground at Kananaskis near Barrier Lake, about 45 minutes west of Calgary. And this is the last chance to get the early bird rate of $45. So if you're really cheap, then I encourage you to get this in early, like today. And most of us should be. Save some bucks here. In fact, take the $15 that you would, the difference, save the $15, give it back to the church and your contribution next week. Huh? After today, it's $60. And if you want to come for one night only, it's 25. So just be aware of all of that. Everyone is welcome. Uh, there's going to be a potluck dinner with hot dogs and all that as you begin the, uh, the weekend. And then anybody here who wants to come and join everyone for family camp uh, weekend on the Sunday morning, we'll, that will happen at 10 a.m. So please be aware of that and hope you can make it. Second thing is, is that David and Brenham are engaged. <laughs> come on, stand up. Stand up, the two of you. Let's go. Stand. Brenham, stand up. Stand up. There you go. Congratulations. Where are you going on your honeymoon? <laughs> Rochelle, where are you going? I already know. You don't have to say, I already know where they're going. Okay. So we have some people getting married. That's absolutely wonderful. God is blessing them. And uh, we, we really pray that God continues to uh, bless our young people with wonderfully blessed lives. And if they find someone to marry uh, who's in the Lord, that's a beautiful thing. And these two couples have done that, and we're just grateful for it. We're going to show a video now which displays the subject of forgiveness. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about broken bonds, and we're in the middle of this series on broken bonds. And at this point, definitely... We're talking about forgiveness this morning. Hopefully this will work. There'll be some sound and we'll play the video. Go ahead. On May 24th, 2011, uh, my mother was murdered by my stepdad. What was your favorite memory of your mom that stands out? Our wedding day. <laughs> she was just... Everything had to be perfect. I wasn't worried about anything at all. And she was someone who was running around like crazy. I kept telling her it was okay. And she kept telling me it wasn't. <laughs> she would drop everything. Um, if I if I called her, text her, and she would just be there. She let everybody know what she was thinking. Um, didn't matter who you were. If she had just met you, she would tell you like it is. She was... She was my mom. <laughs> it hurts not just because my mom is gone, but because of the cause of it. How did these events take place? How did your mom go missing? I got off of work just like usual at 5 o'clock, and almost immediately after I got off of work, my grandmother called me. Saying, hey, your mom's been gone, and we can't get a hold of her. Initially, her phone was ringing, and so I was able to leave her a voicemail. Eventually, the next couple of times after I called her, um, her phone was off, and so it was just going straight to voicemail. I called my grandma, and that's when I was really scared because they were at the police station filing a missing persons report. We both just kind of decided... We, we have to go to Superior. The end of the first day was when I kind of realized this situation was way darker than what we wanted it to be. 
The next few days were just kind of a blur because we didn't really know what was going on. The search and rescue was out and we were just kind of sitting at her grandparents' house, like wondering. We were asked to stay where we were in case they had news for us. Her body was found Friday, May 27th, but they couldn't identify the, the body because it was so distorted. It was probably about 24 hours later we found out that it was indeed my mom. They called us down to the sheriff's station to tell us. They figured out that my stepdad killed her. Part of me didn't want to believe that my stepdad was capable of, of doing such an awful thing. I still had a love for him as a father figure in my life. They caught him just over the border of Nevada and arrested him. I think the hardest part was seeing him. For the first time in years, he pled guilty. Um, he got 55 years in prison. I think the sentence hearing was the worst. I was overcome by emotion just because of the sadness of the situation. A passion of hers right from the beginning is that she felt this need to, to speak to Mick. I knew with the media being there and how packed the courtroom was that it was a good opportunity to show God's grace in this situation. Regardless of what happened, I, I forgave him because there was nothing for me to hold on to to keep that from him. He's still alive and he still has the chance to ask God to come back into his life and forgive him. Regardless of what you've done, I still love you. You're the person that you were to my brother and I. God has kept anger off of my heart this whole time and given me an unearthly peace and wrapped me in his love. Because of him that I forgive you. I don't know how you got to the point of killing my mama, but please know that there's hope and that I pray for you every day. That you'll find the Lord again and have a relationship with him stronger than you ever did before. I realized very shortly after she disappeared how much of an idol I had made out of my mom. How much I went to her instead of God and instead of my husband. He didn't physically take my mom, but I feel like he allowed that to happen in order to show me what it was like to rely on him, in order to bring more glory to him. Honestly, you know, as much as I would love to have my mom here, what he's shown me just in this short amount of time since it's happened, I I wouldn't take that back. I've seen tragedy in, in a lot of other people's lives and it's very sad and there are you know, they're still not beyond the hurt. With Jesus there's hope. I can look beyond everything that's happened. Like that's in the past, it's happened, but there is so much hope and joy. It's all that Jesus has promised. He allowed things to happen the way that they did because he knew what would come of it. Even in something that would be seemingly devastating, giving it all up and letting God work the way he did, it was just completely satisfying. There's still joy. There's forgiveness. There's still love there. All I could see was the love that I had for my stepdad. It was then that I could put together, you know, what what God really did for us on the cross. And that had to be some incredible love <laughs> to really give up his life for every single one of us. This decision that you made was wrong, and I know that you know you have to live with that. But regardless of what everyone in this courtroom says, Regardless of what everyone on earth tells you, Jesus died for all of our sins, including yours. 
On May 24th, 2011, God opened up a door that was so glorious, and He showed us how to rely on Him. He provided peace to us in a way that we can never explain. that probably strikes me the most about that uh, video is when she says, I still love you. And when she says, there is still the chance that something can happen in your life where Jesus can begin to be there in your life again. That's amazing. Like the, the lack of bitterness Like it's the, you would expect incredible pain and the pain is there. But what you don't expect is the lack of bitterness. And she says, she says it's because of what Jesus has done in my life that I'm able to somehow forgive. Now she said also at one point, she said, I think this has happened so that these qualities would develop in my life. And I don't know, I wrestle with that. I'm guessing she has to wrestle with that. I don't know about the so that. I do think that God, after a situation like that, after the tragedy, God does then give opportunity for something wonderful to come out of it. I don't know about the so that, but I do know that now that this has happened, something good can actually come out of this. Well, we're going there today. We're talking this morning about what it means to forgive. And and I want to get there like this. First, the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Surprisingly, there are like 10 or 11 or 12 of these appearances. And I I have to admit that until I was studying for this this week, if you would have asked me how many times is there a resurrection appearance by Jesus, I probably would have said, I don't know, six, seven, something like that. But I looked at them and there were many. Jesus' appearance to the women at at the tomb, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, the appearance in the upper room. A week later, he appears to the upper, in the upper room again, this time with Thomas' presence. Jesus meeting several disciples on the beach after they had been fishing. That's the story in the Gospel of John. The Great Commission, where he meets them on a mountain. The Ascension, where he ascends uh, in Acts chapter 1. Jesus appeared to over 500 believers at one time, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. He also says that he appeared to James in that passage, and then to Paul on the road to Damascus. So there's all kinds of appearances of Jesus to others. But there's one that I find especially striking. And I didn't put it in the list here. But it comes, first of all, in Luke 22, 54 through 62, something happens that begins to set up this special appearance. I want you to turn there in your Bibles, if you would. It's on page 747. And you know this part of the story very well. But I'm going to guess the next part of the story you don't know so well. In Luke chapter 22, verse 54, it says, Then seizing him, they led him him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. You know this story. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. 
A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And look at this next line. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly, the Bible says. You can imagine what it would be like to be denying Jesus Christ and have Jesus in the midst of that look you in the eyes. You know, it's, it's one thing for Peter to not understand all the parables that Jesus told. It's one thing for Peter to walk on water and fail. It's one thing for him to say, I'm going to build booths for you and for Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's one thing for him to not believe that Jesus is going to die so that when Jesus says, I'm going to die and be raised three days later, Peter says, no, you're not, to the point where Jesus has to say to him, get behind me, Satan. Like Peter has this propensity to put his foot in his mouth. And it's not just his words. You'll remember that when they come to arrest him, Peter pulls out a sword and he whacks off someone's ear. When Jesus specifically has said, my kingdom is not a kingdom of swords. And so Peter tends to do these kinds of things. He's got some kind of faith for sure. But he does those kinds of things. Now flip back in the gospel of Luke to Luke chapter 9. And I want you to just see something very quickly in verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law and be killed and on the third day be raised to life. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. And it seems to me like up until now, there hasn't been on Peter's part a great deal of losing his life. It doesn't seem to me like Peter is constantly saying, how is it that I can give myself completely to Jesus? But this is the very thing that Jesus requires. And then one other comment I'll make about this, you know, when Jesus dies and is in the tomb, Peter goes to the tomb and the Bible says that when he gets there, he sees the tomb empty and it doesn't say, and he believed. What it says is that when he looked inside the tomb, he walked away and said to himself, I don't know what to do with this. And so we're not talking about a guy here with an absolutely sterling record. Let me show you something else, though. Turn to Luke chapter 24. At verse 34, we can look at verse 33. It says, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen as appeared to Simon. 
Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And these words, as he appe- and he has appeared to Simon, are almost like throwaway words. Like you read this and you think, what, what do you mean? And he has appeared to Simon. Like when is that in the story? And the fact is, you can read through the Gospels, and other than something like this, you'll find no mention of Jesus appearing first to Simon. But we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, that indeed that's exactly what happens. Paul says that he appeared to James, but he also appears first to Peter, it says. Which means that some point, at some point, I think earlier in the day, on the Sunday, when Jesus rises from the dead, after he shows himself to the women, and the Bible again says very little about this, Jesus goes and shows himself to Peter. And we have no no knowledge of this. There's no description here of what goes on. We do know that the very last thing that happened, the last exchange between Jesus and Peter before he dies, is Jesus Christ looking the eyes, looking into the eyes of a man who at the very moment that he looks at him is denying him. And then we know that immediately upon his resurrection from the dead, that Jesus goes and finds Peter. Wow. That's amazing. This guy who's always putting his foot in his mouth, the one who even as Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, can't keep his mouth shut and says things that he should not say in denial of the Lord. And Jesus at that point goes to him and takes him back from what we can tell. There are other appearances. Jesus never singles Peter out or anything, at least until the last. We're going to look at one more passage. But it is striking. It is telling to me that Jesus sought out Peter first and talked to the very one who denied him. Well, all of that is instructive, and all of that's important. I want you to turn to one other passage, John chapter 21. And this story goes beyond just forgiveness and restoration of relationship. Jesus has already sought Peter out. He clearly has already forgiven him. He's already restored that relationship. Jesus is looking for nothing else from Peter in terms of repentance or sorrow. As the one who died for Peter's sins, he's long past holding a grudge or about continuing to judge Peter. He knows only forgiveness. But those of us who have sinned against another and know it, there is for us an even bigger obstacle in the way of full restoration when our hearts don't allow us, 
ourselves to be fully forgiven when someone tries to forgive us. And this is important. Jesus has already shown us that we need to forgive. By seeking out Peter as the first one that he really looks for after the resurrection from the dead, Jesus shows just how important it is that we forgive those even who have betrayed us, even those who have denied us. He shows us that. But then something has to happen within Peter. And my sense is, is there's a tendency on our parts not to forget or not to uh, experience and allow ourselves to, to receive full forgiveness from the Lord. And this story, if nothing else, shows that kind of full reception and forgiveness. Look at verse 15 of John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And, I, I, you know, we always wonder, well, how does he know? I mean, he denied him. How does he know? Because no doubt Peter said it to him when they met after the resurrection. When Jesus said, I forgive you, no doubt Peter said, oh, God, I love you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I, I want you in my life more than anything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Why is he hurt? Is it because he's thinking, maybe you didn't really forgive me. Maybe you don't really trust me. Maybe the meeting that we had immediately after the resurrection, maybe that wasn't quite enough. Do you not believe what I'm saying to you? And so Peter's hurt when he asked him the third time. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead, lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And the point is, is that there's got to be something that happens in the case of the one who needs to be forgiven. It is one thing to forgive someone for sinning against you. And the fact is, I don't think it's that hard. Like because Jesus has forgiven us, we have the capacity, the ability to forgive other people. It is another thing. It is another thing for you to forgive yourself. And to receive the forgiveness that God wants to offer to you. And this problem runs even deeper than just our relationships with Christ. Like, have you sinned against the Lord? Certainly. Was it your sins that put Jesus on the cross? Certainly. Did you deserve to die rather than Jesus? Well, you did. Did he take on himself an excruciating death and then also your sin so that you could be restored to relationship with him? He did. And sometimes it's hard for us to fully accept what Christ has done because we know that we're not worthy. And there's somebody here today 
No doubt about it. There's somebody here today who does not accept in their lives the fullness of the forgiveness of Christ. And let me just say, you need to. When Jesus died on the cross for you, it was an expensive death. It cost him everything. Jesus does not want you saying to yourself, I can't forgive myself of what I've done. Jesus paid that price for you. That's the point of his death. Don't count his death for nothing by saying, well, I just can't accept that forgiveness. Well, in the same way, there are relationships that have been broken. And we know that we are the cause, or at least that we share great responsibility. And we feel broken and guilty and worthless and unworthy. And I have to tell you, there are times in my life where I have done something, and afterwards I felt so unworthy. I felt so filled with guilt. There have been times in my life when I've been overcome by the shame and the guilt of my own brokenness. And I sometimes wonder if overcoming this feeling of guilt and accepting forgiveness isn't even harder than the omission of sin. It's one thing to confess. It's another thing to accept the full forgiveness that is being offered to you. And sometimes we have trouble with this. But there comes a time when we need to accept forgiveness and allow relationships then to be fully restored. And that's what I think is happening with Peter and Jesus. Peter has received the forgiveness of Christ. That's why Jesus died. So that even the betrayer, even the betrayer has been completely forgiven. And by the way, if someone has betrayed you, if someone has betrayed you, and there's somebody right now who's thinking, yeah, someone has betrayed me. Their betrayal of you is not as bad as the betrayal of Jesus by Peter. And if Jesus is able to forgive his betrayer, then you know what you need to do. Your guilt may remain in you. You may feel that guilt. But at the very least, you need to relieve that betrayer of their guilt by forgiving them. And then you do need to forgive yourself the way the Lord wants to forgive you and to be fully restored both to God and in your relationships that have been broken. Now you might say, Kelly, you don't understand my pain. I, I, can't, under, I can't forgive the betrayer, nor can I bes- forgive myself. And I understand that. We have those feelings deep inside us. And I may not understand you, but Jesus does. Jesus looked in the eyes of Peter as Peter denied him, and he forgave him. And then Jesus goes to Peter, and he fully expects that somehow Peter is going to be able to receive the forgiveness that Christ has offered to him. Rather than being paralyzed by his guilt and his own shame, he instead is able to receive the forgiveness the Lord offers him. And so here's the point. Jesus has so much for Peter to do in his kingdom that he cannot have Peter wallowing in his guilt. He can't have Peter wondering whether or not he's been forgiven, paralyzed by his own shame. And so Jesus 
with amazing trust. And if you think about it, this is, this is the one you need to... Like, is this the one, Peter, you need to entrust with this responsibility of ministry after all the things he's done? Like, you'd think that, you'd think that Jesus would say, no way! But with amazing trust, Jesus doesn't just forgive Peter. He gives him great responsibility in the kingdom. And so where are you in relationships where you've been betrayed? Are you the one who needs to forgive as Jesus forgives and forgave you? Forgiving even to the point of trusting the one you forgave? You know, I don't know the rest of the story about the video that we saw. But if she means what she says, when she says, I love you, I will be praying for you every day, then it stands to reason that at the end of this story, somehow there can be even reconciliation between those two. If there's reconciliation between Jesus and Peter, it makes sense to me that there aren't many relationships that can't, at the end, find reconciliation in some way. Or are you the one who needs to accept from another full forgiveness? Maybe from the Lord, even to the point of overcoming your own guilt and being willing to fully serve because you know that you have really been forgiven. I don't know where you are today. Are you the one who finally needs to accept forgiveness and allow that guilt and that shame and that pain to be dissolved by the love of the one who forgives you? Or are you the one who needs to forgive and who continues to hold the grudge but he knows that if you think about what Jesus did and then you want to follow him, that you're going to have to let go of that grudge. Either way, the story of Jesus and Peter is instructive. And I just hope that somehow we find it within ourselves to be what Jesus displays here and even live up to what he calls Peter to in accepting the full forgiveness and responsibility that comes with faith. I love the fact that our God is a restorer of relationships. It's what he does. And in this case, it's such a beautiful picture of restored relationship. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know the people here today who need to be confident about their forgiveness in you. You know the people who wallow in their own guilt. You know the people who hold in their heart enmity for themselves because they haven't yet received completely your forgiveness. 
Father, that's a horrible burden. That is a great pain. And so, Father, I pray today that you would help those people to to feel absolutely forgiven in you. And if they have others with whom they've been in relationship who have forgiven them, help them, Father, to, to know that they have been forgiven and to accept the fullness of that forgiveness and then to go on and serve you with full hearts as Peter indeed went on to serve you. And then, Father, for those people today who may need to forgive, God, I'd pray that you would help them to do so. If, if Jesus can forgive Peter, Lord, if you can look at, at this, this servant of yours who at times made such horrible mistakes, and you can forgive him, then, God, we know we need to forgive as you forgave us. So help us to forgive and reconcile relationships between those who still need to express forgiveness. I believe that your Holy Spirit works among us, even now, even today. I believe that your Spirit wants to bring peace and unity, harmony, relationship. I I know that you want to see people restored who are not currently restored. And so through your spirit, restore those people, God, who are estranged from others. And ultimately restore us all to you. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.